This is episode 548 for March 2019, and you're listening to the Spider-Man Crawl Space Podcast, and I'm your host, Brad Douglas. Opening song is by Joan Jett and the Blackhearts. It was the most popular song in March of 1982, and that is the month that we're headed back to for this month in Spider History. Before I get there, I want to thank people that make episodes like this possible. They do so by logging on to patreon.com slash crawlspace and help us pay the bills and ensure more episodes come out. So a personal thank you. Craig, Christopher M., Andrew, Stephen, Michael K., Federico, Stuart, Ricky, Thomas, Nick, Laura, hashtag something good for you, Alex, Hafskimo, Lee, Patrick, Will, Frederick, Symbiobro, Jose, Dowd, Taylor, Matthew, JB, Jonathan, Dom, Stephen, Michael O., Jay, Zach, Joey, Kian, Avenji, Ray, David, James, Austin, Colin Omelette, David C., Michael R., Frazetta Hulk, Mayor, Alex, and Robert. If you would like to listen to more episodes like this in the future and help us pay the bills, the expensive bandwidth hosting costs, and the podcast hosting costs, log on to patreon.com slash crawlspace and make sure more episodes come out in the future. All right, Joan, let's get the JR. Spacers, welcome to our Spider History for March 2019, and we have JR on the line. Welcome, JR. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me tonight, even though it is my own show. And it's your own segment. Well, who else would I invite? George? But no, he was busy. <laughs> so for March, we're going back to 1982, which is a long time ago. Uh, we're uh, amazing Spider-Man number 226 we're going to tar- start talking about with the Black Cat cover. Talk, me, talk to me about this, JR. Yeah, I was all of 18 years old when this came out. I was, uh, uh, what year, 82. Holy crap, it was my freshman year at Indiana State University. I was oh. seven years old. Uh, boy, I was utterly, you were probably happier than I was at that point in time. Because <laughs> I was miserable at first year. I hated it. You hated freshman year? Why? Oh, hated. Well, I, you know, I'd come from a small town and even at that, you know, from a small town, even Terre Haute, Indiana seemed like a metropolis, oh. you know, so yeah. it was, uh, it was a eye opening experience for me. So. so I've always liked this cover uh, by John Romita Jr. with the black cat on the side of the building. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see if I can. Yeah, my webcam. Mm. My webcam's not going to show that. Evidently, it's. Yeah, uh, it was. I wasn't able to dig the issue out. It was at. Uh, it was uh, supporting my uh, uh, image, my entertainment center. Oh, so, <laughs> you, you my you, TV. I, I forgot. Uh, you have an, a television entertainment center that's surrounded by Wrong comic boxes. books. That's funny. Roger Stern, John Romita Jr. Did this issue? Take yeah, me through this, it. This, this is a great. This is a great black cat story. Yes. Um, we we kind of have to go first. We have to go back to uh, Amazing Spider-Man number two hundred four and two hundred five, which was mm. the second appearance of the Black Cat. Uh, issue two hundred four was written by Marv Wolfman, and um, then Marv uh, subsequently, from what I understand. Uh, in Marvel history, and somebody who might be a little bit uh, more versed in, uh, um, might fill in some gaps or, or correct me, but I believe this was the time that Jim Shooter decided to end the writer-editor um, 
oh. model at Marvel, uh, where you had, I guess, where writers were also editors, uh, and that'd been going on for a while. And I guess you know, Shooter why did he not thought, like that? I, my guess is, it, again, it, it's I'm just talking off the top. I, I don't know a whole lot about it. I, I, one of these days, I'm going to have to read Marvel: The Untold Story. I, I'm suspecting oh, that was great. That was a great. I'm, book. Sus- I'm, I'm suspecting it just got too clubby. You know. I mean, you had or, these, these, or they're doing fifty percent of a job when they got two of them, fifty percent on each job. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's hard to tell, and uh, yeah. I think uh, I don't know if they were having shipping problems or not. But anyway, he decided to to end that uh, uh, model, and uh, that alienated a lot of the uh, staff, and uh, so a lot of them left. So anyway, Wolfman leaves after two o four, only halfway through uh, part two of the, or halfway through a two part Black Cat story, mm-hmm. and I. F- I'm th- <laughs> now here. I go on here. I'm unprepared. Uh, I don't know who wrote 205. I'm thinking it might have been Michelinie actually to come in. Uh, mm. But anyway, so not really knowing where Marv was going. Here, uh, I, can, I, I can look. It's 205. Okay. Let's see. Because Stern wound up wrote in 206. Um, and then Denny O'Neill came in for 207. Hey, oh, we got 10. All right. Look at look at you and your prediction. It was David Michelinie and Keith it Pollard. Yeah, very yeah. good. Um, I don't know if Marv left note. Marv did leave some notes, uh, but shoot, but uh, Stern apparently, because uh, Stern apparently saw some. But anyway, so Michelinie decided to end it where Spider-Man's coming to arrest the Black Cat. And he gets to her apartment, and then there's all these pictures of him on the wall. Right. And she's in love with him. Yeah, she's got well, she's got some kind of shrine, and she's saying that she did it kind of like for I him. do, and you do. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, but we're not looking for we're not looking for a substitute father figure like she was trying to yeah. to give the idea the the idea that uh, he. Uh, Anyway, so she starts acting childlike, and and Spider-Man's going, well, I guess she does love me in, in her own simple way. And he puts his arm around his arm around her and says, come on, Cat, we'll get you all the help you need. Well, Roger Stern takes over after a while, and he must have thought that is a really stupid way to end it. <laughs> um, so what he did was this fir- the first scene um, – we have the black cat. Well, they're taking the fool killer because the Spider-Man just na- nabbed the fool killer in issue number 225. So the fool right. killer is getting dragged to this mental hospital and the black cat happens to be there. And uh, the black cat starts monologuing to this nurse uh, where basically she tells us that, you know, she knew Spider-Man was going to catch her and she, you know, she can't fight him. And so she decided to pretend to be a lunatic and therefore she'd go to a yeah. mental hospital instead of prison. And so she breaks out of the mental hospital. So, Yep. Anyway, so this is now. Now we're back to now we're back to morally ambiguous, clever Felicia, and she wrote, "I am a fat slob on that poor nurse." Oh, well, how, how rude! Well, she's a villain. She's still a villain right now. You yeah, know? I mean, yeah. You know, villain villains villains say unkind things about people, and they fart in elevators. I mean, that's just what villains do. What, what, you what, know, what was that last reference from? Well, no, villains do all kinds of bad things. You know what I mean? They they, fart in elevators? Yeah, they fart in elevators, too. I'm a villain. (laughs) So are you. That's one thing villains do. Oh, my heavens, we lost. Who did we offend? We lost two people. People that fart in elevators. That's who we offended. Uh, Oh, anyway. So 
Um, Spidey swing through the table. For those audio listeners, we also are doing this live on YouTube. So people are watching us in real time and chatting it up on the YouTube chat. So that's who we keep referring to who's watching us. Oh, Matt Bird, I am 46 with a birthday in two weekends. (laughs) You're an old dude. Uh, Let's see here. Happy birthday, Matt Bird. Stories from writer editors tend to be a lot more hit and miss. If the proper editor was editing, the stories might have been tighter. Uh, I was about to say, I mean, at least they had editors back then. And I'm not so sure if they have them nowadays. <laughs> um, but, so Spidey's swinging through town. And he decides he's going to do an advertisement for Marvel Team Up because he makes a reference. He makes a reference to Marvel Team Up number one fourteen, which was a team up with the Falcon. Um, so, but then a spotlight. He sees a spotlight. Spotlight comes real, real quick. That is the way to do it. And we often talk about it. Feels like the other satellite books aren't connected to the main amazing book. And that is one simple panel that says, hey, I just had an adventure with the Falcon over in Team Up. You could go buy it if you'd like. And it makes it feel like the books are a bit connected. Would you agree? As opposed to now. Actually, now, I I take that back. Now, you have Fred in his apartment in Friendly talking about who was from Amazing. So they're doing it a little bit better. Yeah, I, I, you know, I don't know. I, it just... Uh, Marvel, t- I don't know. To me, referring to Marvel Team Up was kind of like referring to an alternate universe. Uh, <laughs> because the stories were typically just so wacky and just out of step. By, uh, by the way, have you are you aware that Marvel Team Up is coming back? Mm, ha- have you seen this? No, it, no, it's, no. It's allegedly a Ms. Marvel book, Kamala, Kamala Khan, and her first team up is with Spider-Man for the first couple issues. Because it's Marvel team up. So, yeah, there you go. Kamala Khan. Okay. All right. I don't don't think you'll be picking up Marvel team up volume four or whatever it is now. (laughs) No, no, no. I can't write to, I can't, I can't relate to Kamala. She's too young. Um, You know, and if I read, if I read her adventures, I feel like a pedophile. So uh, anyway, so Spidey swinging through town. Yes. Sorry. There's a spotlight spotlight. So he, he goes down to see what it is. Someone's trying to get his attention and it's, Captain Jean DeWolf right. uh, by her roadster, you know, and this is Captain DeWolf before the sin eater, sin, sin eater blasted a hole in her gut, courtesy of Peter David. Yeah. So anyway, she gets, she's, she's getting his attention because uh, she wants him to know that the black cat is on the loose again. And so, you know, Spidey's thinking, oh, you know, he goes away and he goes, oh, the black cat again here. I think she likes me, but she's nothing. You know, here I am looking for a girl, you know, I'm wanting to get laid so badly. And and she turns out to be a thieving witch, you know. Uh, so Spidey's kind of, you know, Spidey's kind of feeling depressed. Um, black cat is in the process of stealing now, stealing a painting. Uh, and it's amazing because here it only takes her two pages to steal something. Whereas when Bendis tells the story, it takes the black cat 13 pages to oh, steal something. Really? And yes. And the black cat talks all the way through this, or she thinks all the way through this. Whereas in the, the, uh, the Bendis story I was referring to, Mark Bagley was doing all the work because there was no dialogue. <laughs> so, you know, uh, so, I mean, Bagley should have got a co-writing credit on, on Ultimate <laughs> Spider-Man, considering how many, how little dialogue there was sprinkled. If I remember that. correctly, the Ultimate Spider-Man, the Felicia was a bit older and Spider-Man was still a teenager. Yes. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. She, she unmasked him or realized he's a kid and that was kind of creepy. Yeah, and she threw up. Yeah, I remember that. 
So anyway, so we go to the Chelsea district where Peter lives. Yeah. Uh, well, he doesn't live there anymore. He couldn't possibly live there anymore because it's been gentrified like so much of Manhattan Island. So I don't know where Peter lives anymore. Does anybody out there know where Peter lives nowadays? It used to be you could, li- you could literally find his address in the old Chelsea area, but uh, I don't know if yeah. they've uh, I don't know if they've uh, pinned him down uh, this time around. I don't know. <laughs> so anyway. So Peter's saying, oh, man, I got I got all kinds of dirty underwear. I got to do laundry today. So he goes to the laundromat, does his laundry, sees some good-looking woman, decides to flirt with her. She gives him the stink eye. You know, <laughs> and so he's not doing, you know, he's thinking, well, this is, this is pretty lousy. And, well, it, it just so happens that the black cat's doing her laundry as well. Now, see, Peter has to go to the local laundromat, uh, which I had to do one time because my uh, washing machine, my washing machine was busted. And that's when I got actually the first call from Brad Douglas to uh, guest star on the uh, Crawl Space podcast. Are you talking about when I invited you or you were in the laundromat? I was at the laundromat. Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. so. That's yeah, fine. my washing machine, my washing machine was broke, so I'm at the laundromat. So anyway, um, did I call you or did I email you? What did I do? No, you called. You called. I think you called oh, the house, and my wife funny. gave you my cell phone number. That's uh, and I was, and I was. So anyway, that, so everybody's that, doing that their was laundry. Two thousand six. Oh wow! Mm-hmm. And I was just yeah. supposed to guest star, and I, I, I never left. Uh, you never left. Yeah, I never left. You're Captain America and Avengers Four. You never left. Crap! We're only down to seven. What the I heck know. is happening? It was the farting in the elevator. You killed him. Golly, gee whiz. Let's see here. Um, anyway. Yep. Yeah. Go ahead. So we're doing the black cat is doing her laundry in this fancy penthouse apartment she lives in. And she starts to flirt with this guy who's sitting there who's a stockbroker. Uh, and you know, so, and then you know, he says, well, you know, I'm, I'm single, you're single. Uh, why don't you come up to room 17 C for a nightcap? Uh, and then flesh is sitting there saying, well, no, thanks. I, I, I kind of, I kind of thinking I've kind of got my heart set on some guy who, uh, wears a, wears a skin, wears spandex, uh, and crawls on buildings. So, so she says, well, how do I get a hold of Spider-Man? Well, then she, she hires a skywriter. And it says, so the skywriter says, Spider-Man, meet me at our first, at the place of our first date. And there's one humorous moment where someone says, Spider-Man, who date him? <laughs> so Spidey, figure, Spidey figures out that um, uh, the first date reference means uh, the gun dealer, Emil Greco, Emil Greco were uh, that the, the cat was doing business with. That's where they first met. So he figures that out and he meets the cat there. Uh, and they do a little, they do, they do a little, uh, and, uh, the cat tells him that, Hey, I really want to go straight. You know, I think you're a hip dude, cool dude. And I love you. And, you know, I want to do right by you or whatever. And I got to go straight. I'm going to go straight. Spiderman says, no way you got to go to jail first woman. Uh, <laughs> Well, you know, she doesn't really, she didn't really take too hot, but she basically, she tells him that the painting she stole was stolen from a mobster who had stolen it in the first place, you know, and she says, well, that's who I rob. I rob rich people. I rob thieves. I rob scumbags. Kind of like, I kind of like, like Sly Cooper, you know, I mean, if you know who Sly Cooper was. No, Sly Cooper, who's a video game or whatever. It was Sly Cooper and the Thievus Raccoonus. Hey, do you guys out there know Sly Cooper? Spencer played all three of those games. No, I uh, don't. Whatever. I wasted my time. <laughs> I thought you were a video game. I thought you were a video I game. Never expert. played Sly Cooper. I know Sly Stallone. That's about it. Sly Cooper. <laughs> 
boy, playing a slice alone must have been fun. Oh, anyway, so, so uh, anyway, so she says, I only steal from, from evil rich people. And, you know, she, she gets away, but she leaves Spider-Man the painting and a note to meet him at this party, Halloween party that's being held by the mobster that she stole the painting from. Well, Spidey takes the painting to um, Gene DeWolf, uh, and uh, he says, yeah, who is this guy? And she says, well, he's a mobster, and uh, you stay away from that party. And Spider-Man says, well, <laughs> yeah, of course I will. So Black Cat shows up. She's looking for Spider-Man, can't find Spider-Man, uh, but it turns out he's dressed as a Jawa. Uh, and uh, anyway, they the, the Black Cat decides to uh, go up to the mobster, says, hey, I stole your painting. Uh, the mobster breaks out his goons. There's, a, there's fights and shooting and everything like that. And uh, they chase the mobster outside where Captain DeWolf and her crew are ra- were waiting, and they raid the place. And the bad guys are all arrested. And Spidey and the Black Cat go up to the rooftop and decide to kiss. And... Yeah. That is the end of part one. Is that their first kiss? I'm trying to think. Did she kiss her in the other issues? Well, <clears throat> yeah, she. She. I think when they very first, when they when they uh, when they met for the first time, she planted a wet one on him and took him okay. by surprise. I don't know if yeah. this is the first time he openly reciprocated or not. Yeah. So anyway, so but that was that was the story. That was a good issue. I still remember it to this day. Yeah. I, I liked it a lot. Unfortunately, things fall apart in 227, the next issue. Right. She just feels she can't go straight, and that's when she goes off the pier into the water, uh, and uh, Spidey thinks she's dead until she shows up uh, at the end of uh, Peter Parker, Amazing Spider-Man number 75, and then we get launched in the Owl Octopus War and an do all-time you, classic Spider-Man story. Do you think Roger Stern owes a lot of credit for the popularity of the Black Cat? Do you think those first two appearances were okay? This one set it on a course for... 30 plus years of her being a supporting cast. Well, it, yeah, you know, I mean, you could, I mean, first of all, I mean, Wolfman created her. Wolfman uh, did a great job Wolf, creating her. Wolfman created her. Uh, and, uh, you know, I mean, Stern was a good writer. I mean, Stern, yeah. Stern, you know, kind of made her that uh, a, a moral foil. Uh, yeah. You can't help but like her, but you just know that she's no good for him. Uh, and, um, and there are comparisons to the cat, to Catwoman. I mean, Catwoman yeah. works really well with Batman and this is his Catwoman. Yeah. The comparisons are unavoidable. Um, yeah. I mean, the thing is the, the black cat was original. I mean, was originally supposed to be a spider woman villain when Marv Wolfman was writing spider. Remember that. And it was supposed to be an entirely different character, uh, but it was called the Black Cat. So, but anyway, when he went to Spider-Man, he brought her to Spider-Man, kind of gave her a, a makeover, and uh, she became what she became. Yeah. But yeah, Stern, Stern did a good story. I mean, it was, uh, you know, and people wanted to see her again. Uh, yeah. And then that led Bantlo to, to resurrecting her, and uh, the rest is history. Where do you want to go now? Marvel Team Up? Uh, spec? Where would you like? No, let's go to Spec. Let's go to Spec. Okay. Static um, number 64, the first appearance of Cloak and Dagger. Uh-huh, first Cloak and Dagger. Bill Matlow, Ed Hannigan. Mm-hmm. Great, yeah, it's actually great pretty looking. neat cover. I was just going to say, the uh, the Spider-Man logo is dripping because it's wet. Mm-hmm. And I remember when I was a kid, I thought that was uh, me because uh, when I bought this, when we whoa, went whoa, through... Whoa, whoa. What dripping? I mean, whoa, whoa, whoa. well, I'm, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. When I bought oh. this at the grocery store, we were unloading the groceries and this was in the grocery bag and the book got wet. So I have uh, raindrops on this issue in my collection and it kind of fits with it with the with the logo dripping. 
because I got it wet. <laughs> All right, let's wow, see. Wow, that was a lot. That was a long way to go for that one. I know. And you even interrupted midway. You didn't even let me tell my story. If I did that wow. for you, actually, Enigma. I do that for you. Enigma, the hell I do. Uh, what? What, what, what am I talking about? Chat. I'm pulling up this on. Marvel Unlimited, which man, I really, uh, I really wish they would update the spec on uh, Unlimited. Yeah, I was. So I can uh, read read through more of that. Yeah, I was uh, fortunate. I was thinking, I was going through there, and I saw image not available, image not available, and I thought, oh crap, it's not going to be on here. Uh, but it was. Um, but yeah, this is the first appearance of Cloak. I mean, and folks, this was a really, this is a really good time for uh, Spectacular Spider-Man. The early night, the early nineteen eighties, when Stern yeah. was writing Amazing. And Bill Mantlo was writing Spectacular, was a terrific yeah. period of time. Uh, it was uh, they they were both good writers. They were both telling good stories. They had a good handle on the character. Um, it, it was, um, you know, it, it was it was a good time. You know, for this is hysterical. I remember when I was a kid. I'm like that Dazzler or or, or Dagger. Dazzler too. Uh, that dagger costume is very revealing, and it wasn't until recently that I realized that the cut of her costume is like a dagger. It's like a sword. It's like a. Did you did you ever notice that? Well, I don't know. I mean, I mean, it's that's that is a revealing me. costume. Excuse me, folks. But oh but yeah, enjoy. I guess you're right. Yeah, I just had to. I had to check out Dagger. Okay, uh, I, guess, I, guess, I guess you're right. Yeah, I uh, so. but you, no. This, do you watch the 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 television series Cloak and Dagger? Oh hell no! I, I I tried the pilot. It was it was not my my thing. Uh, I, I I mean I. It's also uh, I, on I Freeform. You and I are way too old for that network. Well, I, I was about it. It probably Cloak, Cloak and Dagger would probably have to be a darker. Um, I mean, they've they've got a very weird relationship, yeah. um, and uh, they're both you know they're both born out of uh, out of horrible experiments. They're both very damaged people. Yes, uh, it would. I, I just don't see. It. <laughs> they're not they're not typical Disney characters. But again, I I never watched the show, so I I, yeah. I don't know. Boy, Enigma two two K ninety nine never liked the black cat. Enigma, well, why did you not like the black cat? So she's almost universally loved. I don't know. Well, the thing is, though, it depends on when you catch her. Because if you caught her, if you caught her when Al Milgram was writing her after, in Spectacular, or when Dan Slott decided to make her a, a crime yeah. lord, uh, yeah. you know you can't wait for her to be killed off. But anyway, <laughs> Cloak and Dagger. Um, Spider Man is swinging through town, and who's who's doing the art on this? Is it Hannigan? Hannigan, yes, yes, Hannigan. Great art. I mean, yeah. uh, he, um, you know, the first the first page just really sets the mood. Uh, you know, you just kind of look at, uh, you know, just snapshots of street life in New York. Uh, so Spider-Man's webbing through town and he hears this guy cry for help. And it turns out that uh, it's 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 a guy saying I was a pharmacist and I used to peddle illegal drugs and I did some horrible things with these drugs and experimented on people. But I didn't know it could do that. You know, and he says, Spider-Man, I'll give myself up. Just, you know, he's obviously running for something. Well, then Spider-Man's spider sense goes off and it turns out that it's cloak and dagger. Excuse me. And uh, obviously they've. You know they they've come to uh, uh, make him pay the bill for what he did to them. Mm-hmm. So after um, let's see here after uh, anyway, so Spider Man t- tussles with Cloak a little bit, falls into the falls into it, and gets in the you know is in the darkness. Uh, Dagger throws her daggers of light at this guy, and it freezes his blood and it kills him. 
And so Spider-Man, you know, Spider-Man gets loose of cloak and, uh, you know, decides that he's, uh, you know, is really offended at these, this idea that they did this. And so he did, but anyway, so the cloak and dagger get away. And so he decides to do a little research on, on this guy and finds out that he was a, a chemist for the mob. And what had happened was they, uh, the mob had taken, uh, they they lured in a bunch of runaways, you know, kids who show up in New York from Kansas who hate mom and dad and everything like that. And they're looking for a new life and they get promised all kinds of, uh, you know, crazy stuff. And, uh, you know, so these mobsters then took them to the old abandoned hospital on Ellis Island and they experimented on them. They were trying to come up with a new concoction, a new street drug. And it turned out to be toxic and killed everybody except two. Uh, Ty and Tandy, uh, and one, well, no, 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 three, Mr. Negative, because even yeah. though we don't see him, <laughs> you know, we see a bunch of dead kids and we always see Ty and Tandy get away, but apparently Martin Lee is hanging out there too, somewhere, oh, you know, man. he must have kind of slipped and messy. He must've gone to the bathroom or something. <laughs> uh, but, uh, so <laughs> yeah, they retroactively wrote, uh, wrote the Mr. Negative's origin into this as well. I, I totally forgot that. That's funny. So. Anyway, so that, that's how they got their powers. And, and I, I'm assuming that the reason they survived, they explain later that the reason they survived is because they had latent mutant genes or something like that. Something. Is that how they survived? And they had a book called The Mutant Misadventures of Cloak and Dagger, I remember. So I think, I think they were implied they were mutants at one point. Yeah, they, so were in, I, they were in Dark X-Men, too. I remember that. So anyway, so Cloak and Dagger now are gathering all the old mobsters and, uh, and bringing them to the old hospital. Um, cause I remember, I remember going to Ellis Island, um, in the early nineties and, uh, they had rehabbed the great hall, which was open. I think at this time, the great hall was open. Uh, but I think even though I went several years later, I think the hospital was still closed and I don't know if they've rehabbed the hospital or not, uh, and put it on the tour, but, but anyway, so the, the old Ellis Island hospital was abandoned at this time. So that's where the mobsters were. That's where cloak and dagger take these guys and they're going to kill them. So, but you know, Spider-Man gets there. And, and of course in the midst of Spider-Man doing his, you know, self-righteous monologuing, uh, the bad guys get loose. They grab, they they grab cloak or a dagger and threaten to kill her. Uh, but then, um, between Spider-Man and cloaks, you know, then Clo- uh, fights him and drives him into cloaks, cloak, you know, and, and, uh, they you know, they get all scared. And then they see a light at the end of the tunnel. They think, aha, we'll go to that light. We'll get away from cloak. It turns out the light is right in front of a window, five stories up. They all go down, you know, and jump out the man. window and they all go splat. So looking dagger, uh, murderous, man, they're too rough. Eh, the guy, the headache, the bad guys had it coming, but yeah, you know, but- Spidey, Spidey's kind of a little moralistic, you know, he's, he's, yeah. he's, you know, so he gives them a little speech and basically they said, well, we did what we had to do. And, uh, you know, Spider-Man, I mean, you know, since this is our, you know, I mean, you know, that since, uh, a whole fanfare was made, uh, introducing us in this issue, we are on the cover and everything, you know, you're going to see more of us, you know, you know, you're going to see a lot more of us, even when you don't want to see us, we're going to pop up, uh, in, 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 in your comic from, from time to time, even as far, even when Dan Slott is doing you 30 something years later, we're going to (laughs) turn up, (laughs) excuse me. So, but anyway, I thought they were. Oh, go ahead. First appearance of Cloak and Dagger. I thought they were visually cool when I first yes. saw them. Um, I, I went on and collected their mini series and their their regular series. I I always liked their relationship. Did you like them instantly? No. No. How come? 
I well, they, they, you know, it. I read it for Spider Man. I mean, you know, it's like yeah. they were just uh, they were just another couple of villains. They were visually interesting. Yeah. Uh, but you know, I didn't have any particular affection for them. I just thought they were cool. I thought they had a cool story. It was well, neat, you neat you were young then when they came out. I, right? I was, I was, and that's probably my attachment to them still. So yeah, but um, anyway, so that's, that's a spec. That's spec twenty four. That's another good issue uh, for mm-hmm. this month. Uh, we've got. Let me go back. What else we got? Uh, we got two already- more this month. We got Marvel Team Up one fifteen, and, and we got Marvel Fanfare. And well, don't forget Super Stories fifty seven. Uh, got that up. I've got that up okay. as well. Okay. What do you want to do? Team up. Yeah, we can do team okay, up. Team up one fifteen. It's Spider Man and Thor, written by DeMatteis and Herb Trimpey. The menace of the mind bender. Here, real quick, um, on YouTube chat, Matt Bird says, "Brad, have you seen Captain Marvel yet?" I have, and I would give it a B. I like it. Uh, Jr., have you seen Captain Marvel? Nope. No, nope. going to see Captain Marvel? No. Going to see an Endgame? Uh probably have to um you but, might uh, want to see captain marvel <laughs> uh you know if spencer if if spencer wants to go spencer hasn't said anything about it yet Stay you know, spent after the credits yeah yeah anyway so yeah i anyway, liked, I it. I liked it. it i i would put it on the same lines as the ant-man series uh not my favorite but still an enjoyable picture mm-hmm. so yeah uh marvel team I up just, I, yeah, Marvel team up. Uh, I, I heard. I heard. I, I watched a lot of internet trolls complaining about oh, it. Oh my gosh, uh, that's awful! What they did. But, <laughs> but uh, well, Brie Larson didn't help herself either. You know. Well, just, I thought, I know, thought she was pretty good in the in the. Some people, uh, yeah, but I mean, some people when they get a microphone stuck in their face, they uh, you know, they don't know they 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 not the, exactly the wisest things come out of their mouths. That's true in general. Uh, oh, look, Marvel Team Up 115 is on Marvel Unlimited. Very good. We can look it's at this. Uh, I'm loading. It's some. Oh, there you go. The Mind Bender. Herb Trimpey yeah. was known for his uh, Hulk run. Also did the first appearance of Wolverine back in Hulk 181. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, who would who would have known? Who would have known? My brother had those issues. He was a big Hulk fan. Yep. And so he had those Wolverine issues. And uh, who I, would have thought? I, much respect to Herb Trimpey. Never really been a big fan of Herb Trimpey. I really liked Sal Buscema taking over for uh, Herb Trimpey on the Hulk. However, uh, a, a viewer of this show um, thought it would be cool to send me a uh, Herb Trimpey autographed Spec ninety nine. And I appreciate that. I have that in my collection. So I, I much respect to the Trimpy, Mr. Trimpy, who's passed away since. He also did uh, G.I. Joe number one. I mm. remember he did that book. Yeah. So was was he one of the was he one of the ones who uh, <sighs> I mean, I, he was a longtime loyal Marvel staffer, I think he was. Uh, uh, the story of him is he um, I think Falco, Dick Falco kept him around in the 90s. He was doing the Fantastic Four Unlimited book. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think he went on to teach some college classes. I think on art. I could be wrong, but I think that's a little bit of his history. I know his do- his daughter. Uh, I'm in a oh, I forget what group I'm in on Facebook, but his daughter, um, it was selling some Hulk 181s to make a little bit of money because she had some of those in her collection. 
Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's it's kind of sad that some people were reduced to doing things like that. And uh, yeah. I think he got fired by Marvel, didn't he? I mean, when they were cutting a whole bunch of people, you know, yeah. I mean, it was just when they were like when, in the nineties when Marvel was near bankruptcy. He he, I think he was let go after working there since the seventies, which is sad. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah, anyway. it's uh, the legacy of Ron Perlman when he owned it. So, yes. A- anyway, uh, Spider-Man and Thor. Uh, and, you know, since it's written by J.M.D. Mateus, you already know that you're going to get some ham-fisted uh, dialogue uh, and, uh, you know, and, and none too subtle political illusions. So hold on a second. We have J.M.D. Mateus waiting to join the line. Let me. Uh, <laughs> he's yeah. going to come on and chew you out. I like D. Mateus. He was a good writer. I mean, he was a good writer. I like with his uh, run on spec Spider-Man there post clone saga yeah. uh I, I thought it was excellent and i thought he had a good handle on norman osborne but I, it was I, the, I the have clone a, sa- go ahead i'm sorry i didn't mean no, to i was about to say but the clone saga stuff and you know some of the other stuff it, it just it seemed like he went off the deep end you know I, it was just it was way too much sermonizing moralizing and trying to get you to feel sorry for supervillains because they didn't get hugs so i have a i don't think i've ever shared this story on 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 the podcast before uh maybe 10 years ago i interviewed jnd mateus and um like on a weekend and then the following week um my job as a reporter they they decided to put me in lockup behind bars for the mda telethon or something somebody had to bail me out so i i went on my facebook page and i said hey can you get me out of jail i gotta raise like a couple hundred bucks and um and I, on my phone, I had like an email or something like an app and I could see who was donating. I, I eventually hit my $200 mark. And of all people, JMD Mateus threw a couple bones in my, in my pot because, uh, he, he, we well, are friends on Facebook and he did that. Uh, so thank you 10 years ago for getting me out of jail, JMD Mateus. Oh man. So you're hardly an unbiased. I am a very, I am a very biased. Uh, you've, been, you've, been, you've been bought. I mean, I, you, you I know, got, you've been bought and paid for. No, no, I got, oh. I got bailed out by JMD Mateus and George uh. drank with the Kingpin. That's, those are some stories that we have for our podcast. Yeah. <laughs> this, um, this story, uh, you know, does Thor turn into Don Blake anymore? I mean, what what he does he does not Don Blake? I think they got separated. Or was Don Blake the personality that Odin created for Thor to punish him when he was sent down? I mean, it wasn't so much a secret identity thing anymore. It was it was how Odin was punishing him when he exiled him. He turned he gave him this mortal boy. So I I, I yeah. don't know. Anyway, I never so. really understood the Don, and I haven't read a lot of early Thor. But I didn't understand the swapping into the human, I, and they they did feel like two people. But anyway, I didn't understand the dumb. Like I'm, I'm much happier. Thor is Thor, you know. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so this issue starts off with. Uh, Don Blake operating, Dr. Don Blake operating on an old woman who was caught in the crossfire uh, between uh, the co- cops and some burglars. And in the observation deck uh, covering the story uh, for the bugle uh, is Peter Parker. By the way, with modern modern healthcare laws, the HIPAA would not allow a reporter in an operating room anywhere near this with HIPAA uh, laws. What in the world? Well, this HIPAA. Is- yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. HIPAA, HIPAA, HIPAA is awful. I mean, uh, yeah, you can't do it, anything. 
No, I mean, it's like, the, <laughs> it's like all of a sudden, like, for example, I'm a subscriber, you know, on my, through my job. And so like the, you know, uh, but like my wife, all of a sudden her healthcare information vanished. I couldn't access any of her on blue cross or whatever. It's like, well, because of HIPAA, it's like, I'm the subscriber I'm and, I'm paying. and I'm married to her. Yeah. Well, yeah. So anyway, so Dr. Don Blake is operating on this old woman. Peter Parker is watching in the background. Uh, and uh, anyway, into this hospital walks this big seven foot tall guy uh, who who he's 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 clearly in disguise. He's kind of got a Claude Rains thing going on here, yeah. you know, with the hat and the, the uh, something wrapped around him, whatever. Anyway, he mind blasts this security guard. Uh, and this mind is security guard turns all angry and hateful and, you know, screw the world, whatever, which believe me is important, uh, later on. Um, so anyway, so anyway, so this guy, you know, the seven foot guy makes us start making his way to the operating room and mind blasting people. And all of a sudden someone rips off his clothes and it's a giant pink fish. <laughs> Giant pink fish man. And he is called. Yeah, no, he's he called Maru the Mindbender. Maru the Mindbender. Hmm. Uh, so, <laughs> and uh, so Maru the Mindbender wants this this woman. Uh, once this old woman, he calls her a black hearted witch and, you know, like he knows her and she's evil or whatever. And so Peter or Sp- Peter just needs to go change into Spider-Man. Okay, and this is not the point where he. Um, this is not where we ha- we we have a couple of botched uh, references to Christopher Reeve in this story. Oh, we do. Uh, we're both, yes, we're both. Uh, and where is this? Where is that? I thought I know that Spider Man said it. Do, 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 do. Maybe it hasn't happened yet. Mm. Um, but anyway, so Spider Man he goes away, changes into Spider Man, and he starts fighting the Pink Fish Man. <laughs> um, and you know the but then the pink fish man zaps him and spider-man says wait a minute you know you know spider-man starts going crazy too uh you know because he's now he's all hateful and everything and i never want to be a superhero anyway and all you people can just die for all i care and i'm gonna web swing away well Dr. Don Blake sees this and it's like, well, gee, I got to do something. Now there's this crazy big, I mean, when there's a seven tall pink fish man running <laughs> around in your hospital, I mean, that calls for drastic measures. Call security. I mean, I mean this or is all the uh, Avengers. You know, yeah. This is, this is health, you know, this is managed healthcare gone wild. So anyway, <laughs> so anyway, so Don Blake grabs his big stick, you know, grabs a stick, gets, gets his hand, gets a firm grip on his stick, uh, you know, and, and then he starts pounding it, starts pounding his stick into the, you know, and he changes into Thor. So then Thor starts fighting the pink fish man. Um, and, uh, so Spider-Man. Okay. Yeah. The pink fish man gets away. Uh, Spider-Man has changed into Peter Parker and he's still all pissed off and everything and mad and angry. And, you know, why do I risk my lives for people and everything? Well, then all of a sudden, you know, we see on TV that Maru, the pink fish, seven foot tall pink fish man is now flying through Manhattan on a, on a jet ski. Uh, and he's zapping people and he's making them all go crazy. Well, at the same time, uh, Dr. Don Blake is talking to this old woman, you know, and, uh, 
you know, cause he's, you know, he saved her life through surgery or whatever. And she's got amnesia. She can't remember anything. Um, and then, um, she makes a reference. She, she makes a reference to the pink fish man. And so Don Blake has to, you know, he says, well, I got it. I got to change into Thor. I got to grab my stick. I got to, I got to play with my stick again, uh, and change into Thor and, and fight the, and, and fight the pink fish man. Um, well, anyway, what happens, you know, pink fish man, um, <laughs> What pink, apparently what pink fish man does is when he zaps you, he brings out your inner self or your secret self or your second self. And so like when he zapped Peter, he brought out all Peter's anxieties about, you know, being Spider-Man and things of that nature. And when he zaps Thor, he brings out Don Blake. So it's now Don Blake's mind in Thor's body. Mm. And of course, you know, this is all, you know, just way too much for uh, Blake and he can't handle it. And Fishman knocks him out and they're on top of the world trade center. And Maru, the pink Fishman, says that I'm going to throw Thor off the top of the world trade center. Unless you bring me that crazy old woman uh, and you better do it now. And if I, if, if you don't bring me, I'm going to throw Thor off the, the world trade center and then I'm going to destroy Manhattan Island. Well, at the same time, the old woman is starting to get her memory back and remembering who she is. Peter Parker is still walking around, you know, feeling sorry and angry and bitter and hateful and everything. But then he, you know, then he, uh, he starts to come out as he snaps out of it, goes to a world trade center so he can fight Maru, the fish man. And, uh, and then that's when, uh, that's when JMD Mateus um, starts kicking into gear. Um, <laughs> so, you know, so, so Spider-Man confronts the pink fish man. And instead of saying, you know, saying something clever like, you know, uh, I'm, uh, you know, uh, say hello to Charlie the Tuna for me, fish man, uh, you know, or, or something like, uh, you know, uh, here, here, you know, after this punch, you'll be served up at Long John Silver's or something or whatever, you know, battered and beaten. But no, Spider-Man. <laughs> that was good. That was good. But, but Spider-Man starts to moralize uh, and says, us human, we human types are more than just fragmented hunks of self that can be torn apart, piggly wiggly. We've also got a little something called soul, you know. And so he's he's fighting Maru. You know that nebulous something that unites all those fragments, helps us transcend our fears, rise above our dark desires. Well, not only, you know, Maru, not only has Maru the Pink Fishman heard enough of this crap, so has the reader. And so at this time, you're glad. Maru punches the lights out of Spider-Man because you just want him to stop. I mean, you know who super superheroes, you know, ramble and talk during fights, but uh, yeah, it just gets a, this moralizing is a little bit too much. Well, now I forgot to mention that Thor during this whole thing never talks like Chris Hemsworth. I mean, so like if you watch the, the Thor movies and you get an old Thor comic book, it's like, what the hell? Why is he talking? Why is he talking like he walked out of a Shakespeare play? You know, and uh, he, he uses weird words. Uh, what, what are what are some of the weird words that Thor uses? You know, stuff that nobody yeah. uses. Ah, you know, that was hard off when I was a kid reading Thor. Uh, it just yeah. me out of it. I'm glad modern Thor does not do that. I don't know. I mean, you just, you, you start reading and then you run into Thor's dialogue and it just brings the whole story to a screeching halt. Yeah. Thou hast come wrecking havoc for what purpose even I might not glean. I mean, and so even is E apostrophe E N. I mean, Thor doesn't even say even. He just, I mean, how do you say E apostrophe E N? I don't know. Ian, Ian. you know. Ian, but whatever, whatever, not whatever, whatever thy vile motives, whatever thy powers, 
thou shalt not long stand against. Now he's talking like somebody from the hood against uh, the thunder of God and his enchanted hammer. Mm-hmm. Now we've got, you know, so here, here's the thing. We've, we've got this big blonde dude who talks all, who, who talks absolutely spacey and, you know, wants to, wants to hit you with his enchanted hammer. You know, I mean, one, I mean, it sounds like the guy's on drugs uh, for one. Vinkman says you can blame Kirby for Thor's speech patterns. Uh, you know, uh, I think if you, you know, it's interesting, Vinkman. I, I, I think Stan Lee was writing it. I don't know. Stan takes credit for that, actually. If you oh, read, yeah. um, oh, I hate Screwball. I hated Screwball, too. I have no idea what Screwball had to do with this, but Enigma, I hated <laughs> Screwball, too. Um, no, I think if you read the uh, original um, <coughs> um, history of, Mar- uh, what do you call it? Uh, it wasn't history of Marvel comics, was it? Um, but anyway, when he wrote, he Stan wrote um, the origin of Marvel comics. I think something. Oh like yeah. That. But anyway, so and he talked son about of origins. Yeah, yeah. Son of origins was the next one. So, but the origin of Marvel comics, and actually Thor talked normal. I mean, basically Thor talked like Don Blake mm. uh, when he was first created, and then Stan decided to slip the Shakespearean stuff in. So oh, Enigma, Enigma is playing uh, PS4 Spider-Man, and he just went up in the screwball level. That explains it. It had nothing to do with what we were talking about, but we, yes, we all hate screwball. Wait, 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 wait. So, so he's 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 uh, double tasking, huh? He's multitasking. Multitasking. Yes. Okay. So anyway, so anyway, so Pinkfish Man has Pinkfish Man has had enough. Of, yeah. of, of Spider-Man demoteusing and he knocks him off the world trade center. Well, Thor, then Thor slash Don Blake, you know, gets his wits together and then he starts to monologue and he says, man or man, God, it makes no difference. All the fragments of our identity are part of one indivisible whole. Don Blake and Thor aren't two separate entities in conflict. They're reflections of the same eternal soul. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, although there's a, there's a, there's a, there is Thor thinks Spider-Man's dead, you know, cause he saw him go over the, the, the world trade center and he's got an interesting little line though. His puckish manner oft times vexed me still was he a warrior Supreme long. Will I mourn his passing? <laughs> but Spider-Man is not dead. And all of a sudden then the old woman, the old woman who now has got her memory back, she comes flying on a jet ski and she transforms into another pink, except I think she's a little, she's purple. She's she's a purple, purple purple fish creature. Dahlia, Dahlia, the shape changer leader of the rebel forces on Sharon. Now (laughs) boys and girls, I don't know how many of you are familiar with the original TV series, Star Trek, which is one of the most classic series of all time. And you should watch that before you watch any of that next generation crap. Okay. <laughs> next generation. Okay, but it's not real Star Trek. It's not real Star Trek. Um, what, what, anyway. is, what is discovery? You have you watched discovery? Oh, hell no. No, it's, I watched that. I watched that free. I watched that free episode on YouTube. That's good. And I had, I had to turn it off twice and then resume it because I couldn't stand the Michael Burnham character, how they were, how they were making her where she had to be. She was such a, uh. such a superhero and she was right. And there was this, you know, so, and there's a science officer who disobeys Pike's orders, you know, and, and, and he gets killed. 
So stupid. But anyway, so she's Dahlia the Shape Changer, and she's of the planet Sharon, which I'm thinking already, hmm, that sounds familiar. Really? Um, well, I'll get to that. Anyway, so she starts talking about this conflict on her planet between Maru's people, who were called the Hafes, the H-I-F-S, smug, supercilious philosophers or whatever who couldn't bother with the common folks. And then the laborers uh, who were her people, the Hafnas, the haves and the have nots. Oh, you know, can, oh, can, how much ham, how much ham <laughs> can you wrap around that fist? Oh my. The haves and the have nots. <laughs> wow. Wow. I mean, this, 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 this is, this is helping prove your point of Marvel team up is what I, uh, well, I mean, this I is barely know, helping it. I don't know if it's as bad as Jerry Conway and <laughs> the man killer, you know, <laughs> where, you know, she would pause in her dialogue to hate men. But so she starts telling this story about the hafes and the hafe nods and <laughs> how, they, how, how they got into a war and they destroyed their planet. Okay. I'm getting so hit over the head. So it's just the two of them left, and they destroyed their planet. Okay, folk, and so basically what has happened is Maru, the fish man, has been chasing Dahlia, the shape changer, through the universe. Okay. I, I, I now get the Star Trek reference. Go ahead. I know what episode that, you're talking about. Let that the Star Trek season three episode. I'm yeah. with you, JR. Star Trek begins and ends with the original series. Vink man. So you got me so excited. I knocked my uh, Vink man. <laughs> I like you. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> okay. Uh, let's anyway, talk about, let's talk about one side of the face. Uh, yeah. There, there was a third season episode of Star Trek called let that be your last battlefield, which again, good, this good was episode. a good episode. Uh, yeah. But it's talk about moralizing. Basically yeah. it was about the one guy, this alien, they were from the planet Sharon spelled differently, oh. but still Sharon. He, he, he picked that up too. Oh, he I didn't know stole that. the name. Oh, you know, and it, it is fr- actually it's Frank Gorshin who's the the one yes, guy, the Riddler from Batman, legendary Frank Gorshin. But it turns out these aliens they're black, they're black and white. They're black on one side and they're white on the other. Yeah. And it turns out that there's this discrimination because the, the the guy the cop who's chasing this criminal, you know, he's black on the right side and white on the left, and the other guy's black on the left side and white on the right. You know, so therefore they think they're superior. Yeah. And so like you're sitting there going, Oh my God. <laughs> well, you know, they get back to Sharon, they find out that the people of Sharon killed themselves and destroyed their planet. You know, it's like, oh boy. I you know, did so like not, I said, I've never connected that. So, so the, the planet is the same name, only spelled differently in this book, as opposed to the Star Trek episode. Yep. And you know, boy, one, are one, you boy, are you happy to tie Star Trek and the Spider Man legitly now? Well, you know, it's, wow. it's everything always goes back to Star Trek. I oh mean, everything. Gosh. You know, it's it's like it's life is six degrees of Star Trek. <laughs> everything goes back to Star Trek. Um, That's funny. So. But anyway, so 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 Dahlia the shape changer and um, Maru the pink fishman, Dahlia the purple fish person, and Maru the pink fishman get in a fight, and they've got some and and Maru's got a gun. The gun overloads; it fries them, turns them into pink mist. Okay, well, it turns out that's not the end of the story. This story continues in Marvel Team Up number one fifteen. Spider-Man and Valkyrie. Oh. And what happens is 
the pink mist takes over Valkyrie's body and she doesn't look anything like Tessa Thompson. <laughs> Does not really. I mean, maybe if Tessa went in for a bleach job from head to toe, mm-hmm. you know, she might look like Valkyrie, but uh, does not look anyway. So like the evil pink mist um, po- possesses Valkyrie. Uh, but, but what's notable about this story is so I, I never realized that Thor was so hot for Valkyrie. I mean, you know, he, um, he said her beauty be untouched by the years, her skin. So soft, her hair like silk, you know, and then, uh, let's see here. Brunhilde to be with thee again, to hold the, and so, so anyway, Thor is just, so Spider-Man's actually Spider-Man is running and fighting from the pink mist and Thor is getting all hot and heavy and on, uh, on Broomhilda there. So, and, and Spider-Man makes a reference to black cat from the issue that we were just talking about. Yes. Yeah. yeah to see amazing Spider-Man number 227. He says it's Valkyrie. Maybe she's chasing down some blue meanie, but better yet, maybe she's got a couple of minutes to sit and talk. I'm uh, I'm still down about the black cat. I could use a little conversation right about now. Wow, I mean, I, didn't that. Ca- I didn't catch all that because I was whipping through this one. But yeah. uh, anyway, just so Spider Man's like fighting for his life because yeah. see the, the the purple mist, the pink mist, it, it takes over Valkyrie. Then it takes over Valkyrie's sword, mm-hmm. and the sword is flying all around with Spider Man on it. And he finally, you know, he finally gets Thor to stop paying attention to Valkyrie's body and smash the sword. So anyway, but next issue, Spider Man and Wolverine. Marvel oh, team. I remember that. So that was I, team I think uh, that was the first time I ever saw Wolverine. Marvel Team Up One Eighteen. Yeah. Okay, uh, next issue is, what do we want to do? Well, we only got one. Oh, Marvel got, Fanfare. You want to do Fanfare? Marvel Fanfare yeah. number one. A direct, we'll do Fanfare and then we'll do Spidey. St- <clears throat> uh, Marvel Fanfare number one, if I remember correctly, was a direct-to-comic store book, like what uh, Moon Knight was and uh, like Dreadstar, like creator-owned stuff, like mm-hmm. Epic. Epic? Yes, yes, it was. In fact, <clears throat> I'm trying to think. I thought there was a nice little comic explanation by uh by uh, al milgram himself uh explaining uh, marvel fanfare but the whole idea right now at this time comics were selling for 60 cents yes all right i mean and How much does this one go for and but marvel oh, fanfare buck, buck a quarter for a buck and a quarter whoa this book and better be good the uh, <laughs> the explanation was it's on better quality paper it's yeah. direct market only it's top flight stories and you'll see how top flight a story. This is it's top flight stories. So we know, we know you'll want to pay more for this, but this is more pages too, right? Yeah. But it's not one story because it's like you get a, a, you get like a Spider-Man story. Oh, here it is. Here's a little editorial. Okay. Let me hear it. All right. Um, I had this idea for a new comic, which you really dedicated comic fans could go for, something we could charge extra money for. Well, at least he's honest. At least he's honest. So we put together the book you now hold in your hot little hands. Great stories. Great artwork. Terrific printing on paper. We normally reserve for our (laughs) covers. As a result, the price is higher. That's why we designed this comic to be direct sales. We know that you discriminating readers are willing to pay more 
if you get a quality product and we think Marvel fanfare qualifies. Wow. You keep on thinking that. So <clears throat> anyway, this Marvel fan, Marvel fanfare was an anthology series. Um, and so Spider-Man made a handful of appearances, but so did the Hulk. So did Thor, uh, Iron, uh, uh, Iron Man. In fact, um, there's a two, I believe there's a two part Marvel fanfare where Iron Man faces off against none other than Dr. Octopus. Oh yeah. So, I don't think I ever um, so anyway, this, this story, uh, starts off. Uh, let's see who, who, who's the, uh, did, did you do the, the Jim Nova? Who, who's the, uh, uh I've got oh, uh, Claremont and Michael Golden, who, uh, had a good run on, uh, uncanny X-Men together. Yeah. No, did, so, oh, wait a minute. Did Golden? No, that was Paul, Paul something. Uh, I don't, I'm not sure Golden had much of a run. I remember Michael Golden had a, uh, poster that you could mail off in the back of a comic around this time that had the whole Marvel universe running to the right. And I'm like, Oh, I want that poster so bad. I think he sells it as prints now at, at cons, but uh, anyway, go ahead. So Spider-Man, Spider-Man, Spider-Man the Savage Land, huh? Ugh, I, I never liked those. <laughs> I never liked the Savage Land. Yeah. But anyway, so the story th- starts out. Uh, at Warren Worthington's estate because Warren Worthington, as you know, is angel. He's got some some money too. Yeah. Angel, Uh, not the angel who died of AIDS in rent. Okay. No, no, don't want to get your angels confused here. Wow. Um, That's a Broadway musical reference, boys and girls. I I didn't, I kind of got it. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Anyway, so, so it starts out with a half naked woman. Uh, which is Warren Worthington's girlfriend who's just walking around in a bathing suit. Okay. And then there's another, there's, you know, she's, she's met by this other woman and Worthington, the angel himself is flying around mostly naked himself. Okay. Well, he finally comes to, 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 he, he finally, he finally comes to land to find out what this, this partial, this clothed woman wants. There's a clothed woman and there's a mostly naked woman. Okay. So the clothed woman wants him to help her find Carl Lycos. Well, because she loved Carl Lycos. Well, it turns out that Carl is Sauron. 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 Yeah. Now, Sauron is half man, half dinosaur. <laughs> He's a dinosaur man. You know, how cool is that? Half man, half dinosaur. Do you know any other cool character who's a half man, half dinosaur? This Sauron kicks ass. Starts with an ass also, I think, somewhere. Steg, uh, Stegosaurus. uh... Half man, half dinosaur. It doesn't work when he's not on the show. That's too bad. I know. It just doesn't. Uh... So so anyway, this is kind of funny. Um, Yeah. Basically, the the aim, you know, she, she loves this car like she wants Warren Worthington to help him find help him help her find him. And basically, he says that's an ignorant idea. That is an ignorant ass idea. Uh, he said, "Look, you know, because because basically, I, I guess it, uh, he found his humanity again and disappeared." And Warren is saying, basically, maybe he's made peace with himself, you know, and we should just leave him alone. Why don't you just leave him alone? And of course, because I love him. You know, it's all about you, you know, and so, you know, it, it, that, that would have been what I would have said if I were Warren Worthington. I said, you know what? It ain't about you. You know, maybe it's about him. 
you know, hmm. but of course, you know, he, you know, I mean, you know, uh, mostly naked chick sitting there by this other chick, you know, gives him the batted eyes or whatever. So he decides to, so he decides to do it. Well, uh, let's see here. By the way, uh, in, it, in YouTube chat, uh, it's Michael Reed says, where did the Savage Lands originate? Surprised the MCU hasn't used it. That would make it like a fun uh, Jurassic Park Marvel movie, wouldn't it? With dinosaurs? Who, who would be put Wolverine in there? That'd be fun. Yeah. And yeah. have half man, half dinosaur. And have Stegron show up. That'd be fun. Uh, you know, uh, well, one, Stegron being a Spider-Man villain. <clears throat> well, I don't know. Would, would Ste- well, he, he, no, he first appeared. Wouldn't Stegron first appear? He first appeared in a Marvel team-up. So yeah. maybe he wouldn't be considered a Spider-Man villain. But- don't, you, don't you think a Mar- MCU Savage Land film would be fun? I do. I think that'd be fun. I, I you know, I think a lot of people would. Uh, r- r- strangely enough, right now, uh, well, of course, I was about to say Marvel. The Marvel Cinematic Universe has tried to steer closer to Earth, but you know, then again, I just realized Than- you know, we have Thanos and we have Cap Marvel and we have Green Pointy-eared Scrolls now. So I guess not so much. I, I, I don't know. I think people. I think it, it, there'd be. Um, stylistically people would be thinking, Oh, you know, it's superheroes go to Jurassic park and you know, yeah. it wouldn't be really such a novelty. So, yeah. but I mean, it would be fine, but it would almost be like, you could put star Lord in the savage land. <laughs> wouldn't that be a good end joke? Yeah. With Chris Pratt. Oh, that's funny. That, yeah, you could. Can you? Yeah. I think it originates from the X-Men though. Like Neil Adams run. I think so. Yeah. There is a really good issue of Marvel fanfare for the Hulk fights the blob and anus. The untouchable. No, Eunice. Anus the Untouchable. That's <laughs> oh, uh, okay. I, I mean, I could understand. I mean, I could understand anus, the untouchable. anus being untouchable because I sure as hell wouldn't want to touch his. Oh my anus. God! Wait a minute, Vinkman, you retracted your message. What were you saying? Oh, you retracted his message. Oh my anyway, God! Anyway, so oh, the my. Daily Bugle. You know, J. Jonah Jameson gets wind of Warren Worthington's trips to the trip to the Savage Land, and of course, he wants pictures, and he wants to send somebody who's been there before. Well, as you all know, boys and girls, Peter Parker, uh, along with Jameson uh, and Gwen Stacy, went to the oh, Savage Land. Man, did I not like that story? Issues, I think, 103 to 104. It was, I believe, the first issues written by of Amazing Spider-Man written by somebody other than Stan Lee. It or, was, or, yeah. I think, I think Roy Thomas wrote those issues. But anyway, they went to the Savage Land. He met Kazar and everything like that. So anyway, so Peter Parker now uh, is going on this trip to the Savage Land with, with, with Warren Worthington. Well... They come across uh, some flying pterodactyls. Now they don't call them pterodactyls; they call them something else, pterosaurs or whatever. But I'm sorry, they're 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 flying dinosaurs. They're called pterodactyls. That's all I'm going to say. They're, you know, they're all going to be pterodactyls. Crashes into the airplane or crashes into the helicopter. You know, the angel flies away because the angel can fly. Peter, you know, makes a parachute out of his his web shooters. You know, they they all get together. The the three of them they walk to this. Um, destroyed dome and they get attacked by a bunch of savages and it turns out and they get captured and so they wake up Spidey and Warren Worthington wake up and they're held prisoner they're they're manacled down in front of this big machine and there's the guy manning the machine is brainchild by and the way look 
If oh, you look at Brainchild. I was just going to say, go ahead. You got it before I, I do. Say, Peter, you almost expect Spider-Man to say, hey, I met your brother, the Mindworm. Exactly. Uh, he looks just like Mindworm. Yes. Just like the Mindworm. Just and like Mindworm. But he's called Brainchild. And so what he's going to do is he's going to zap them and he's going to devolve them into their most rudimentary primitive state. So what he does is he devolves Spider-Man into a big giant spider and Angel into something that flies. Yeah. And actually that is the end of that story of Marvel fanfare in Marvel fanfare. Number one, uh, you get a backup story with Daredevil where Daredevil helps an old man who is a as a orphan Christmas Santa Claus or whatever. And he gets robbed and Daredevil goes and beats them all up. So Paul, you know, Paul uh-huh, is, is the penciler on that. And that's too. I was trying to think the name that teamed up the Claremont, Paul Smith and the X-Men. I use all, you also got a nice uh, double page spread of, uh, by John Byrne of Spidey and, uh, the oh, silver, silver server. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, if you're willing to rip out the, the, the bulk of your comic, or why do they do that? Why do they do that? Do they expect you to like, you know, say, Oh, cool. Look at this spread. I'll just take this comic that I paid twice what it was a regular comic is selling that I can only get in the direct market. I'm going to take it and I'm just going to rip out the, all the middle pages yeah. so I can have this cool two page spread. I don't get so it. So if memory serves, this story goes on what six more issues. Well, Spider-Man's involvement ends in, in issue number two, and that's where Kazar comes and saves the day. Oh. And uh, we meet we meet Sauron uh, in his human form. And, you know, again, Sauron, half man, half dinosaur. OK, okay. nothing, nothing cooler than that. Yeah. Uh, but you know, Peter. You know, Peter, they, 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 Peter gets transferred back to Peter Parker. Angel gets transferred back to Angel. Angel and and this chick decide to stay in the Savage Land, and the rest of the X Men show up in issue number three. But Peter leaves okay. after issue number two, and that's that's done. Uh, not I. I. For me, I didn't like this story as a kid. I mean, I didn't get it. Um, I. What What are your thoughts on? It? I just don't like this story. Uh, Spider Man. Spider Man and Di- I, I don't like the Savage Land. Um, I don't like Spider-Man in the Savage Land. It's like yeah. Spider-Man going into outer space. Yeah. You know, Spider-Man doesn't belong there. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's a team-up story. It's not even a Spider-Man story. It's a damn team-up story. Yeah. It's got a stupid-ass villain. Uh, you know, and, and, and Spider-Man doesn't even stay for the rest of the story. You know, I mean, yeah. he just takes off and leaves after. It's, it's like, well, let's put Spider-Man in here in the first couple issues so people will buy it. You know, and then we'll hopefully we'll get him hooked <clears> on this <throat> exorbitant price or this fancy-ass paper that they can only get in the direct market. So, yeah. Yeah, I didn't care for it either. Um, we're ending a title, a long-running title. Uh, Spidey Super Stories, number 57, which I was sad that I found out this was the last issue. Well, yeah, I had um, I had stopped uh, buying Spidey Superstore. I, I bought the first couple of years when they came out uh, when they when they were first coming out in the uh, comic book stores. And I'm just going to do a quick Google search here because I was about to make a statement, and I want to make sure I'm right. The Electric Company. Yeah. And when did the Electric Company oh, they- run? <clears throat> they ended, I think, in the eighty-one or something. I could be wrong, but right when that show ended, this book ended too. Well, that's what I—that's why I was about. That's what I was thinking because yeah. uh, 
for all of you, I mean, after all, spider history is spider history. Yes. So I would be I would be remiss if I didn't explain a little bit about Spidey Super Stories. Um, and, and by the way, you're a little bit too old for that book. That is my age group's book. That that Spider Electric Company got me hooked uh, really on Spider Man a lot. Wow! It did. Wow. I wow. loved I loved that show when I was a kid. Well, it, it's funny. I mean, for for all of you. For all of you boys and girls out there, the Electric Company was a children's television workshop program that was envisioned as kind of the next step for education for children. Sesame Street would get them to learn their ABCs and their one, two, threes. Uh, and then the Electric Company uh, would start to actually teach them to read, put words together, letters together, sorry, and teach them to read. And about Midway through, they reached a licensing deal with Marvel. Yeah. And it was the first live action Spider-Man. Yes. Ever. Yes. It wasn't Nicholas Hammond. It was the electric company. And Spider-Man would appear in in a framed in a comic book and yep. he wouldn't talk. He would speak only in word balloons. And the whole idea was that you know, you youngsters were learning to read by reading Spider-Man's word balloons. And, you know, he sounded like one of the, he sounded like the adults in the Peanuts cartoon, wah, wah, mm-hmm. you know, and, and Spider-Man. Uh, and concurrently, um, the electric company and, or the children's television workshop at Marvel entered into agreement to produce the, this, this title called Spidey Super Stories, which was a very, very, very basic uh, entry-level reading. Yeah. Uh, and so, so no dark stories. I mean, <clears throat> Spider-Man's origin is told in the first story. Uncle Ben is not even in it. We don't do sad in Spidey super stories. We don't do tragic in Spidey super stories. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, it served its purpose. He's uh, bit by, I don't even remember the Spidey super stories origin, he's bit by a spider. And that's it. He, he, he was still bit by a spider. Uh, yeah. but you know, he just decided, Oh, this is cool. I'll be a superhero, yeah. you know? Uh, and, uh, but you know, Marvel, uh, th- threw some real resources at this. This was not a, a half-ass effort. I mean, I think Romia Sr. did some covers. Yes. Uh, I think Jim Salakrup uh, wrote some of the stories. I mean, the, the uh, I mean, they took this seriously. It uh, and and really, it was it was it was a great idea. I mean, it was you know advertise. I mean, through all Spidey Super Stories ran for almost five years, and I think virtually every Marvel superhero appeared in it. So, you know, it would bring in, you know, it would expose kids to the entire Marvel universe. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, it also would promote the Electric Company TV show for fans of Spider-Man. I, uh, I'm looking at the Wikipedia page, and, and this could be right, it could be wrong. Uh, it says it ran six seasons, 780 episodes, if that's true, my goodness. Uh, it ran um, from 1971 <clears throat> until 1977. And then it was oh, canceled, wow. and it was canceled, but it, it ran in reruns because they've got a big library to rerun. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, oh, I just had it up on my screen. Yeah, we uh, – uh, Here it is. It was, it was uh, canceled in 77, and it ran in reruns from 77 to 85. So mm-hmm. uh, Spidey Super Stories was going bi-monthly, if I remember correctly. And it was every other month, and it's it probably Marvel was like, well, the show's canceled. We might as well get out of the, the comic. But I also mm-hmm. remember, I don't know if you picked this up when you were younger, 
but there was an electric company magazine, like on the magazine rack. And mm-hmm. in the back of the magazine was a Spider-Man story. So oh. I, I picked that up. I don't, I still don't have the copies, but I remember the electric company magazine. There was a Muppet mm-hmm. magazine. There was a Sesame street magazine. When I was a little kid, but I picked up the electric company magazine specifically because there was another Spider-Man story in the back of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, Oh, see, old man loses his train of thought. The electric, it's funny because when you talk about the electric company, yeah, uh, again, there was some serious talent on that show. Oh my gosh, Morgan Uh, Freeman alone. Morgan Freeman as Easy Reader, Rita Moreno, and Rita Marino. Uh, so, and and even actually in some very early episodes, uh, Bill Cosby. Well, we don't um, talk about him. <laughs> well, we don't, yeah, we don't talk about him anymore. No. He's a non-person. But He's a non-person. But anyway, just, Morgan Freeman. I just found Freeman. the uh, the actor who was the very first live-action Spider-Man. His name was Danny Seagram. Mm-hmm. And I've been trying to get an interview with Danny Seagram. So if you're listening to this podcast and you have a contact for him, I found a convention that he was at. And the convention people have no idea how they got a hold of him because they can't give me any address or an email or anything. So Danny Seagram, uh, surely he's dead. No, he's that was not. forty years ago. He, he's not forty years. Ago. I am clicking he's on his name. Dead. He's not dead. Oh. He was just at a convention. Uh. <laughs> Are you dead? After this show, maybe <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, it depends. I mean, it depends on who you ask. Oh my uh, gosh! But uh, I, I feel like I'm one of the Walking Dead, though, since I've been married. I mean, you know, it's oh like I feel that my body is just kind of walking around, and my soul has long been sucked out. But anyway, that's another. <laughs> Michael Reed does Morgan Freeman for Robbie Robertson. I, I'm down with that. That's funny. Okay, take uh, me through 57. Yeah. We're well, wrapping anyway, up. Anyway, just oh, anyway, just um, you know, just anyway, the Electric Company. I just wanted to say it was actually a very popular show. Yeah, but it got canceled because it wasn't merchandisable. Uh, the oh, children's like Sesame Street is. Yeah. PBS, yeah, PBS said we don't want to pay as much money for it, uh, or basically PBS was cut back and said, "Well, you know, either cancel one of these shows, or we're only going to do half half of the each show's run." Uh-huh. And basically, the electric company because it that. didn't bring any merchandising revenue. Got was the one that got canceled, and and eventually, yeah, I mean, after the show got canceled and was in reruns, and, and Spidey Super Stories, it ran its course. But um, I I remember as a kid hating those PBS telethon. If you love Sesame Street, if you love Electric Company, please call in. And if you don't call in in the next five minutes, we're gonna kill Big Bird. We're going to kill this cat right here. See this little kitty, you know, holding it by its tail. I'm going to kill this kitty, boys and girls, unless you get mom and dad to make a pledge of $30 a month for the next yeah. 12 months. And the and, cat, the cat's name is Goose. And you'll get and, that if you understand Captain and Marvel. Return, you get you, And in return, you get this membership pin. But anyway. Yeah, I remember that. So Spidey Super Series. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's funny because you can't, when I went back and I was rebuilding my collection of Spider-Man comics, I could not find Spidey super stories in the back issue bin. They were, they were almost yeah. impossible to find. And when you, I did find them, they were, they were overpriced and they're not on yeah. Marvel unlimited. I'm assuming that's probably because of the licensing. They probably would have to. I would agree. I would love a trade or something on this. I really need to rebuild. I don't have a complete run. Of, I have a, near complete run of everything spider-man but not this i need to 
Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, Spidey Super Stories has been gone a long time, but old fans like us still talk about it. It was. I, yeah. Uh, yeah. It was just kind of a. You know, it wasn't for everybody, and and it. it you know. It was, it was so simplistic that once you got to a certain age, yeah. you know, but it, 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 just like, you know, Brie Larson said, it's not, it wasn't for us, you know, it wasn't <laughs> for you. Uh, yeah. anyway, so Spidey Super Stories 57, we start out with uh, an introduction to the White Tiger, you know, uh, because White Tiger guest stars. And then the story is the Trapster and the White Tiger. And I mean, I won't basically go through it the the trapster tries to capture spidey and the white tiger they fight the trapster and beat him and you know and then <laughs> funny enough it just they so they successfully defeat the uh the trapster and then the white tiger goes well i get time to get my tiger charms here i'm really hector a, a, a yellow or whatever and i'm not uh, a superhero no more okay hmm. and uh for all of you who um I mean, this is how educational and, and how basic it was when the black, the white tiger says, I'm glad you're with me, amigo. Then we have a little box. Amigo is Spanish for friend. See, <laughs> amigo is Spanish for friend. It's almost like the password is. Did- oh, so, so anyway, then we get another <laughs> meet the beast where we have a um, one page uh, discussion of the beast because the beast is in a future story here. Hank McCoy was a scientist. He tried to figure out what causes superpowers. The experiment changed him into the beast. Yeah. The beast is very strong and can jump very high. He can't change back to Hank McCoy, but he doesn't mind. Uh, (laughs) i think the real origin story was a wee bit more complex than that then again this is the electric but it it introduces you to other characters for little kids so uh, you know the middle story here is uh basically the electric company characters in an adventure with spider-man yeah Um, oh come on come on come on page And then the third story is look out for the leapfrog. Uh, Spider-Man and Mary Jane and J. Jonah Jameson are going to an art show. The beast is there signing autographs and then leapfrog comes and steals a bunch of paintings, um, you know, and, you know, the, 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 the heroes, the beast and Spider-Man find, you know, get to his lair and, the leapfrog says, I got the jump on those heroes. That's why I'm the leapfrog. Adorable. Superheroes make me hopping mad. <laughs> uh, so so they ah, they fight the leapfrog. Uh, let's see if there's any. Why is he called the leapfrog? The beast asks. He's a jumpy guy, says Spider-Man. <laughs> That's uh, cute. That's what cute. is it with leapfrog, Spider-Man asks. The beast says he has his ups and downs. Um, so anyway, they, they capture. They so capture this is what Spider-Man uh, with dad jokes. <laughs> yeah, some, some really, really bad dad jokes. Yeah. But anyway, then we have the, the, the last page is the wit of the web slinger, which are more simplistic jokes, except this time it doesn't involve Spider-Man. It involves a, a couple of, uh, uh, electric company characters. What yeah. is it? One ask, what is in the middle of Texas? Well, land, of course. <laughs> oh. What is in the middle of Texas? An X. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, also, George. 
<laughs> that that is Spidey super stories. The very, the back cover, Spidey waving bye to the to the oh, cast of look, the election. Look at it. It also it, it says to read what I was just talking about in the magazine. Yep, follow the adventures. It was basically Spider Man saying goodbye to Spidey Super Stories. Yeah. So in an era an era ended, boys and girls. Fifty seven issues of that. You Wait a minute, Larson Shade. Wait a minute, damn JR with the Larson Shade. When did I shade Shade Larson? Eric Larson. Shade Eric Larson. Did I shade Eric Larson? No, I don't remember that at all. Michael Reed, what are you talking about? <clears throat> okay. So I think that's the last Andy, one. Like, I think that's the last that one. is the last one for that is the last one. So I will ask. I will ask it. I will ask it. Was March 1982 a good month for Spider-Man? Well, it was. Yeah. I mean, I mean, we did have a stupid Marvel team-up story, but every month was a stupid Marvel team-up story. Yeah. Uh, we had a stupid overpriced uh, Marvel fanfare story. Right. But also had Roger Stern and a great Black Cat story. Right. And we also had, like I said, I've, I've never been a big fan of Cloak and Dagger, but it is Cloak and Dagger's first appearance. Yeah. Uh, and it's, uh, you know, again, Mantlo and Hannigan. And uh, it's a very good era for Spider-Man. So, uh, cool. those, so yes, it was a good month. Yeah, there you go. Hey, did you enjoy that episode? If you did, there will be more coming out thanks to the help of supporters that go to patreon.com. Again, patreon.com slash crawlspace. That helps us pay the bills and cover bandwidth costs, website hosting, etc. to put out more episodes like the one you just listened to. So thank you to each and every one that do that. Again, if you would like to support things you like, like this podcast, patreon.com slash crawlspace. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody.